tell you how we're going to get missionaries to the foreign field. I tell my people the same thing. I tell others as I preach across the country the same thing. It's important that we reach the world for Christ. And I think Jesus is coming back soon. And I don't think that it's going to be too long until we see him. And I think it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. Won't it be something? And we're living in those last days. We're living in the time prior to Christ's return. And so we've got to do two things. We've got to worship him and we've got to serve him. And that's all God wants us to do is to worship him and to serve him. That's our job on earth until he comes. We're to worship him and serve him. And then as we do, that's where he's going to place us in heaven to worship him and serve him forever. Won't that be a wonderful thing? Listen, there were two that were blind. There was a blind rabbit and there was a blind snake and they were in the woods and they came upon one another and they figured out just who the other one was. The snake came up to the rubber to the rabbit and he says, you've got long, soft skin. He says, you've got long ears. He says, and you've got a wet nose. He says, you must be a rabbit. And the rabbit said, oh, okay. They got next to the snake and he said, you're smooth and you're slick and you're covered with diamonds. And he says, I know what I am, a television evangelist. We need to realize today that we don't need any television evangelists. We don't need anybody to come along and tell us how to claim it and make it and make it ours. We don't have to give a certain amount and promise certain things in order to try to get ahead. God has a plan for his people. And God has a plan for getting missionaries on that foreign field. And I think as a local church, it's our responsibility, my local church and your local church and all those in between us, there's a lot of people that are having services all over the world right now. And they're talk, talking about the very same thing. Join me as I go to Second Corinthians chapter number 4. In Second Corinthians, we find in the Bible that the Bible is very clear about this wonderful chapter. And I want you to hold that place, if you will, and turn to the book of Matthew. That is our theme. The book of Matthew and then Second Corinthians. Matthew chapter number 6, laying up treasures in heaven. I'm going to ask you to stand out of the respect of the reading of God's word. And let's take this chapter together. Let's do what you can't do in other churches. You can't do that in other churches. Read out of the same Bible and praise the Lord for the old King James Version. God did not make a mistake. God did not make junk. God gave us his word and he preserved it in the 1611 that we have right here. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And I want you to read with me verse number 21. All right, here we go. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Read it again. For where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. I want you to look up at me now, and I want you to quote that verse that you learned this morning. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there's your heart. Where your heart is, there's your treasure. God wants us to understand that in this life, we have a lot of treasure and we've got a lot of heart. And I want to place your heart this morning in your treasure. And I want you to place your treasure in the heart of God. God wants to meet the needs of his people. Wait a minute. The Bible says also in this chapter, no man can serve two masters, verse number 24. And the Bible says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, verse 25. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, or what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you much not better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Amazing. And yet I say unto you, verse 29, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Verse 32, For after all those things uh, do the Gentiles seek. We're all Gentiles here. The Bible says, For your heavenly Father knoweth what ye have need of all these things. Look at verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all These things, we talked about those things in Sunday school this morning. All these things shall be added unto you. Father, we need your help. Father, we need clarity. Father, I pray that today we'll reach down to the very bottom and we'll understand what it is. Everything that we own belongs to you. Everything that we have belongs to you. And Father, I pray that we'll turn loose of just a little bit in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says that all things are his. The Bible says that everything that we own, you may not own much, and God may not get a lot of treasure from you, but it all belongs to him. And you realize that we're going to leave it all? When we leave this earth, I've never seen a hearse going down the road pulling a U-Haul truck. I've never seen any kind of a a cemetery that has uh, buried with that stuff. You are going to leave everything. Someday, somebody will be wearing the suit that you're wearing this morning. Someday, they'll be sitting on your couch. Somebody uh, will be in your home, ladies. And uh, every time I go in a lady's home, they say, Pastor, don't look because it's dirty. And I've got to, you know, get it cleaned up. And I want you to be conscious of that. Listen, someday somebody's going to be in your house. Somebody's going to go through all your stuff. Somebody is going to go through your private things. I learned a long time ago to keep my wife's purse out of my reach and not stick my hand in my wife's purse. Husbands, that would be a good thing for you to learn. Don't touch your wife's purse. And I don't touch her stuff at home. And I don't get into her personal things. But let me tell you, someday 
Somebody's going to go through your stuff. Somebody is going to go through your things. Men like things like this smells like gasoline and we like uh, oil and that type of thing. Uh, we like the feeling of going into Harbor Freight tools and that type of smell. That smells good to us. I wonder if there's some kind of perfume that smells like that. I don't know if there is or not. But I know one thing that all of us have got stuff. The Bible tells us that that stuff belongs to him. And if you've not given everything, you know, sometime in your life you've been saved, you've been baptized, and you've given yourself to the Lord. But you've got to give everything you own to the Lord. You've got to give your car. You've got to give your life. You've got to give yourself your clothes. You've got to give your personal belongings. You've got to give your baby stroller. Thank God for baby strollers. We wore out a lot of those. I talked about that the other night. But I want you to know that everything that you have is hard. It's hard to give your kids to the Lord. But God expects you to. And to give them to the Lord and say, Lord, if you can have them, if you can raise them, Lord, they're yours. They need to be. And you need to surrender. You need to yield everything. God owns it all. Amen? He owns it all. So with that in mind, I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians. And let's go to chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible makes it very clear that there was something about this church. It talks about a church. The Bible talks about this sacrificial giving. I talked the other night about the giving of the tithe, that the tithe was really the basic of everything that we did. And it is really down here. You can tithe and you can give to the Lord, but the tithe is the Lord's. No matter when you give it, if you cry big tears as the offering goes all the way down and the ushers carry it back, it's all God's. God is going to bless you on the tithe. But when you give one penny above that tithe of your own money, you come up to this level. It's giving of our abundance. God wants us to freely give, freely we have received. God wants us to abundance by abundance of giving, give freely to him. When we give at this level, it's called sacrificial giving. It's when we are saving for a couch. It's when we're saving for new carpet. It's when we have to give and it hurts because that money was destined for something else. We've saved it and all of a sudden a missionary comes or a need is presented in the church and you say, huh. Oh, well, I may as well give it. And you give it unto the Lord. And you know what? God gives it back. But we don't think about it during that time. It hurts to give. What I'm talking about is on this level of giving that which you don't even have. You don't possess it. You don't know where it's going to come from. But you're trusting God to lay an amount upon your heart that you may give. Now, I want to tell you something. This may be interesting and it may be strange to you. And you may not understand it. Now, you may say, giving by faith. I've tried that, Pastor, and it just doesn't work. It will not work unless you're giving the tithe, unless you learn to give by abundance, unless you learn to give sacrificially. Giving by faith, faith promise giving, will not work for you. But let's see what the Bible has to say. And the Bible has to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, A very interesting thing. I want you to stay with me, and I want to go through this carefully. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the example of the church in Macedonia, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace 
of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. God's unmerited favor is grace, grace giving. The Bible says in verse number two, how then in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. That verse says a lot. It says, first of all, that they were in a great trial. They had gone through, no, no matter uh, what had happened personally, they had gone through great trial in the nation in which they lived. There was problems in the government. There were problems in situations. It was a great trial. And notice the adjective <coughs> that is used there is a great trial of affliction. And the Bible says they were in a time of affliction. It was difficult. It was painful. I believe there was sickness. There was all kinds of things that was going on in that society. And in the midst of all that, they were giving. It says the abundance of their joy. They didn't just have a little joy. They had an abundance of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's deeper than happiness. You can be happy. You can have fun, but let me tell you, when you have a deep-seated joy, it goes beyond everything. In the middle of Noah's ark, there was stink on the inside, and there was storm on the outside. And there was joy in the hearts of those that lived within. I want you to know today that there's something about the joy of the Lord. There's something about possessing joy. There's something about when you wake up and when you go to bed, that joy is permeating It's prevailing in your heart. It's because of your relationship with God that we have joy. We don't have anything to be joyful about in this world. And there's nothing in New York City to be joyful about. Now, our president is coming tomorrow. I like him. He is not a pastor, but he is our president. And let me tell you something today. He's given freedom back to our churches. He's given all kinds of things. Freedom is knowledgeable And it's understandable. We need to be free. But I want you to know that tomorrow, him coming to New York City will not make one iota of difference in your life. Just the fact that he's coming, though, is a great thing. I want you to know that your joy should be great. Your joy should be full. How's your joy this morning? It's not like fun. It's not like happiness. It's much, much, much deeper. Look what it says. The abundance of their joy And their, not only poverty, but their deep poverty. These people did not have things. They did not have abundance. They were living in deep poverty. They were socially, they were recognized as being people of deep poverty. But the Bible says that they abounded unto the riches of their liberality. That is liberality. That word means as manifested in liberal giving. Now you'd think that because they were in such a situation, because they were God's people, because they were there, that God had just say, well, you guys don't have to worry about this. I'm going to take care of it all. No, God always holds his pattern, his standards the same. God did not say to them, uh, you know, because of the deep poverty and and the, the difficulties that you folks are going through, I'm going to cut you some slack And not make it possible for you to give. But the Bible says that in the midst of all of this, read it again. In the midst of all of this, God was working. How then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches 
of their liberality. They were giving in a time that is unheard of, but yet they abounded to the riches of their liberality. God was using them. God was blessing them. God was meeting their needs, even though they were at all of these problems and they were abounding. The Bible said in verse number three, look at that. For to their power, I bear record, yea, watch this, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. You see, they didn't depend on their power. They didn't depend on if they wanted to. They didn't depend on their strength. They were depending upon God to meet their needs and to help them. You see, we don't live in that level. We don't live in that depth. I want you to understand that there was joy in that place. They had smiles on their face. When they came together, they came together and gave. Look at the proof of that is in the next verse. In verse number four, praying us with much entreaty. They were involved in prayer. Oh, givers or prayers, you've got to be a hold of God in prayer. Praying with us, much entreaty, that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now listen, the word saints is people. When the saints go marching in, that's talking about people. It's not talking about a ball team or not talking about someone else. They were concerned about people. And friend, let me tell you, if you're lonely today, let me tell you, if you're here today and you're lonely, let me tell you today, if you're here, your loneliness keeps you from being around others, keeps you from being interactive with other people. Your loneliness, because you've removed yourself, you don't have any joy. And there's no joy. Only joy comes from meeting the needs of other people. That's where joy comes from. You may think, I'm just barely making it. God doesn't love me. He's forgotten about me. I'm in the midst of New York City. What am I going to do? My apartment is $2,500 a month. And the landlord says it's going to go up at the end of the month. I don't know what your situation is, but I know the condition of God's people. God says in the abundance of their joy, in their deep poverty, God abounded unto their liberality. You see, we've got to be liberal towards God. We've got to open the windows of heaven. We do that by giving our tithe. And he pours out a blessing that will not be able to receive it. God allows windows to be seen through. He allows light to come in. God wants to bless his children. And God can do just that quickly. As you look at verse number four, it says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. There's something about last night, everybody coming together. The fellowship was good. The food was good. If you didn't get good food last night, that's nobody's problem but yours. Man, was it good. The Bible said in verse number five, look at this. And watch this. This they did. There's a lot of people who are real good at talking about what they're going to do, what they're going to give, how they're going to trust. Listen, today is a day that you need to begin trusting God for the first time. Some of you have tried to play a game with God. Lord, if you know, you understand me and Lord, you understand the situation I'm in. And Lord, you understand that I can't give. God understands that you're not willing to give. He understands that you're not willing to trust him. He's not willing to trust by faith. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I wonder today what your level of faith is. Have you trusted God? Listen, he says, trust me, try me, prove me. Herewith saith Lord. 
God is waiting for you to come on board. These people not only gave in that way, verse number two, and verse number five says, and this they did, not as we hope, and this is how they gave, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord. Have you ever given yourself and said, Lord, take me, break me, use me, Lord, you're not going to get much out of me. Lord, I'm not worth a lot, a lot to the world. I, I'm just insignificant. It's just simply me. My name is Brown. There are a lot of people named Browns. I don't think there's many Montoros in the world. But boy, there's sure a lot of... And there's a lot of Joneses. And you may have a name. Listen, we have people of every nationality that got my name. We can't look. I can't look in my registry and track back. My mom lived in Missouri. She lived in a little town. And my dad lived in a little town. And they came together and they were married and they started off as Browns. There's Browns back in the Civil War. Listen, I may not be very much. My family doesn't have any royalty. I don't come from any wealth. I don't come from, I just, I'm just somebody. And you're somebody. God wants to take you and make you something. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. And it all starts with giving yourself to the Lord. You may have been saved for 40 years. You may have been saved a long time. I've been in Yakima for almost 50 years. 50 years going to the same church. 50 years doing the same thing. Man, we've started over several times. We've been through it. We've been through it all. You see a lot in that amount of time. But friend, you may have never given yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, take me, break me, mold me, make me. Lord, here I am. You can have my life. Do with me what you'd like to do. That's what God is waiting today for you to give yourself to him, to give yourself and allow yourself to be used. Wait a minute. The Bible simply goes on and it says this. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves. Have you ever given yourself to the Lord? Unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. The Bible goes on to say and makes it very clear that they were trusting him. They were giving to him by faith. In the Bible goes on to say this in Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2. Beyond their ability, they were in great trials of affliction. They were in deep poverty. God gave himself to him. In Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1, let's look at the next chapter. The Bible talks about ministering to the saints. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write unto you. That word means unnecessary. It is superfluous or unnecessary for me to write unto you. They were taking care of giving money to those in Jerusalem some 1,100 miles away. These people were in poverty, and yet they were sending missions offerings. They were sending giving. They were taking care of that church. As you've reached out, it's not because you've had a lot of money, but because a need has arisen, and you've been able to help these several different churches, and you've been able to give to them and go to them and work with them. A lot of people say, why are we wasting the time? We need to work on ourselves right here. We need to take care of our home first. Let me tell you, 
when you launch out into the deep and you begin to meet the needs of others, God meets your needs. And he does it all at the same time. That's why you're able to support the missionaries you have and send them on to the other side is because you care about others. Others is where it all is. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 2, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, lest they be ready. They were bragging, they were boasting about what was taking place there. And look at verse 4. Less happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, that we say not, as yet you should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. It's terrible about to boast about something and not to be able to see it come through or brought to fruition. God knew that. God understood that. Therefore, he said in verse 5, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Whereof he had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. In the old days, Jesse James had a poster when he was going around and a lot of other criminals as they went around they had wanted posters and it said, wanted, dead or alive. And then it said across that, that there was a bounty on their head. The word bounty here is the only place it's used in scripture. It's used two different times. And the word bounty means this. It means promise gift. They were to make up a promise gift. These people were tithing. These people were giving of their abundance. These people were sacrificially giving. But at this point, they began to make up their bounty. They did it a year ahead of time, and every year it was to be given, and they were to make up their promise gift. I want to challenge you that this promise gift is unusual. The Bible says in chapter 9 and Verse number three and four, they sent the, they sent them ahead to get them ready. The word bounty here was used. You promise to give. You won't change your mind. You are in it for the long run. And then verse number six, this is not the tithe, but it's giving by faith. But this I said, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I remember preaching that, that, boy, if you don't give, God's not going to give to you. And if you give a lot, God will give a lot back to you. Kind of a condemnation. That's not what it means. It talks about if you give, God is going to bless you. If you give bountifully, God is going to bless you bountifully. If you give a 100 acres, God says he's going to bless you with a 100. It's based on how much you give in which God is able to give it back to you again. Look at that. It says in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1, that we're to cast our bread upon the waters. It's here, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. It's a law of God. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The law of sowing and reaping, 
You get more than you give when you give. You give later than what you give. You always get more later. And the Bible says that it comes back to you. That's a law of sowing and reaping. But look at verse number 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. This is what made the difference. It was every man that meant that everybody, man, woman, and child, everybody was to become involved in giving over and above and giving by faith, trusting God. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That word cheerful means hilarious. God loves you, and he loves you because you're a grateful giver. You're a cheerful giver. You're giving over and above. It's not talking about the tithe here. It's talking about giving of your own part. You see, when you get into giving of your own, giving of your person, that is something that's hard to do. You know, if you're having a trouble giving, let me tell you what the problem is. When you pull out a credit card out of your pocket, and I've got uh, faith-based bank cards in my pocket, and I use a card, and I'll give it, and I'll simply pay for it. And when you get used to paying with a card, you just give it here, you give it at the cashier, you give it all the time. Man, you spend a lot of money that you don't even know. But when you give and it's all cash, if you're having a trouble with your financial giving and you turn everything into cash, man, that $20 bill, when it goes, you almost go, oh, I want to get it back and I want to keep it. You don't become so frivolous with your giving. You don't become so giving and ready-minded. Listen, if you're having a problem with giving and you turn your money into cash, you'll know where every dollar goes and where everything is spent. And you won't blame each other. One thing about not having kids at home for 43 years, we had kids in our house. We don't have any kids in our house anymore. Only grandkids. And they come over quite often. And we have church member kids. But listen, you can tell where everything is. If you ever put anything away, you don't say to your wife, I wonder where that went. Because you're the one that moved it. You're the one that said it. Have you ever tried to blame something else and there's only two of you and you go, oh, I don't know about that. Listen, God wants to become a partner with you. He wants to bless you. He wants to meet your needs according to his riches in glory. The Bible says that he'll do just that. God is able to make all grace, verse 8, abound toward you his unmerited favor, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. In verse number 10, now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and the Bible says, multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The Bible says that we're to give. The Bible talks about that thing, the word grace. And let me read from the dictionary. It says that that word grace means that ye may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and a charitable donation. Grace is earthly blessings in abundance. 
God wants to meet your need. God wants to take care of you. God wants to, listen, he wants to bless you with his grace. Now, when I settle that time and when I pick out that amount, and when I trust God, I'm not going on my tithe. I'm not going on my abundance. I'm not going on sacrificial giving. But I say, Lord, if you'll give it to me. Lord, if you'll provide it for me. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know if I'm going to get a bonus at work. I don't know if you're going to allow a relative to send it in. I don't think my ship is coming in. And my rich uncles have a lot of others, nephews and nieces. And I probably won't get any of that. But God has an unusual way to supply your need according to his riches and glory. And when you trust him for that, and when you depend upon him for that, oh, we get scared. But I want to tell you, nobody can be a better partner than God can. Because God knows all your need. If you're not tithing, you're probably paying five or six times. Everybody tithes. God takes it out. He always gets his tithe. A while back, I went to visit a family, and I was talking to her and her husband I knew didn't tithe, and she tithed. And I said, how's Jim? She, she said, oh, he's in the hospital having his tithe taken out. She was in the hospital. Listen, when he was in the hospital, his bill was almost identical, almost to the penny, exactly what his tithe should have been. He does the same thing with repairs. He does the same same thing with home. You can play games with God, but God knows it all and he owns it all and all of it is his. And I wonder why it is so hard for God's people not to be able to trust him. Pastor, you've never had a family. Oh, I've had a family. Pastor, you've never had bills that come in. We had all kinds of bills. Listen, I have four horses and I've got some acreage and we have places where we go to ride. A lot of people look at us and say, only rich people have got that. Only wealthy people can afford a horse. No, they they eat grass all year, and we water the grass, and it comes up. And, uh, you know, I don't know how we're supposed to do it, but we've had horses for almost 40 years. And I've got four horses today, and I'm going to ride one this weekend. And I thank God that he has supplied myself and our family with a horse. He doesn't do that for everybody else. I don't know why he does for us, but I am thankful. And listen, God does special things for you. God supplies a need. God reaches some way. God will use a certain way. Listen, you get to live in New York City. What a place to live. Everything. You got everything at your fingertips. You may complain. You may something. But I can go any time at night and I can get some. My son and I walked down and got Chinese food the other night. Leland said, Pastor, why don't you come with us and go up to this crepe shop? Brother Ramos calls them creeps. He said, hey, these creeps are good. And I said, no, they're crepes. I never had one time in Israel we ate crepes. But we went the other night. We went down here and we went down to the corner. Man, that was good. You guys have got it made. You've got everything in your fingertips. You've got it right there. You can walk to any store that you want to. Listen. The fruit stand that's down on this street, this just around the corner and all the way down. Let me tell you, everything there is cheaper than what we pay at home. Do you know that they've got cauliflower, that they've got uh, spinach, that they've got things? Huge amount. They've got peppers. We have to pay three for a dollar. They've got all kinds of watermelon that's out. Uh, watermelons have been out of place. Listen, they've got asparagus for 89 and 79 cents a pound. 
We only get asparagus in the spring and then it's gone and you have to wait till next year to get asparagus. Some of you are thinking, I'm glad asparagus is not around because I don't like it. But I'll tell you, it's good. It's good if you like it. Folks, let me tell you this. God wants to meet your need. And as he meets your need, we meet the need of the church. Tithing, as our missions goes up, tithing comes right along with it. Because you can't give to missions without tithing. And as you give faith promise to missions, as you give over and above the tithe to missions, God not only meets the needs of your church, but he does it in abundance. He blesses you. God takes care of all those things. And God will take care of you. And God is saying to you, trust me, try me, prove me, herewith saith the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing. And the Bible says again in verse number seven how to make it work. Nothing to do with the tithe. But if you don't want to give, you don't have to. You see, giving to missions is just a voluntary thing. It's something that just that we do. God is not expecting you to come along, but God wants you to be a partner with him. Verse number six, this isn't a condemnation. More or little, God still gives. <clears throat> we plant an acre and we get an acre, not ten acres. We must be willing to share in our abundance, First Corinthians 16. We must be willing to give sacrificially. Mark chapter 14. If not, it just won't work. And I wonder about you today, and I wonder about your situation, and I wonder about you, you married opposites. One of you is holding back, and one is you willing to give. One of you is willing to trust. Maybe your friend has no idea, and they don't understand on this level. But God does, and you do. And as you make up your amount, as you make up your commitment to the Lord, I want you to launch out into the deep. And trust me, I don't want you to just believe what I said. I want you to believe what I've showed you from the Bible. Because God's word works. And it'll work for you if we just trust him. Do you know him as your personal savior? Have you followed in scriptural baptism as these two will today? I'm so excited that two people are being baptized. What a blessing. And today, perhaps you've never given yourself to the Lord. Why don't you come to him today and say, Lord, I've been saved, I've been baptized, I've been committed, and Lord, here's my life. I want you to take me and use me in a special way. He does that for old people. He does that for young people. He does that to a family. Listen, nobody can be a better friend than Jesus Christ. And listen, Jesus can restore your joy. And some of you need that restoration badly in your life. God can take away the sin. Listen, some of you are carrying secret sin. Secret sin that nobody knows about. Your wife doesn't know about it. We have temptations that come our way. Your temptation, not the same as someone else. But Bible says all temptation has taken you. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Bible simply says that we have temptations that come our way. And I don't know today if you're willing to go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is my secret sin. This is a sin I don't want. It may be men. It may be pornography. It may be something that you're doing dishonest. It may be something, ladies, that nobody else. It doesn't hurt anybody else but you. But it hurts all of us. And it hurts the church. Are you willing today to say, Lord, take me, use me, mold me, break me.
I want you to have me. And I want you, Lord, to give me that joy that I've never had before. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed today, you know you've been saved. How many of you can say, I know I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior? Hands raised all over the auditorium. I've been saved. I have. Thank you. And hands are down. How many of you are willing to say, Lord, I, I followed you and I've been scriptural in my baptism. I followed you in deep water baptism. I've been baptized in a good Baptist church, possibly this one. And I'm thankful for that. Would you, as heads are bowed, raise your hand all around the room. Lord, I've been baptized. That's what I've been. Thank you. I wonder how many of you would say, Lord, <clears throat> I've given myself to you. I've given of you my time, my talent, my treasure. Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Lord, I want you to know today that as I've given myself, and Lord, <clears throat> that I want to give myself to you. How many hands up you've given yourself to the Lord? Lord, you can have me. Lord, you can do with me what you want to. Lord, I want you to know you may not be getting a lot, but you're getting me. And then today that you would come to him, that you would turn to him. And those of you that couldn't raise your hand, if you want God to bless you, if you want God's work upon you, if you want God's hand of blessing upon your life, friend, you've got to come to him and you've got to be willing to give it all. God is not interested in leftovers. God wants the prime. He wants the best. He wants you. Why don't you come to him today? As we stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed, as we stand today and we sing a verse of invitation song, as we come to him knowing and trusting and caring for him, Jesus cares about you. Jesus wants to use you. Jesus wants to make the best out of your life if you'll just come to him today as we sing. That's right. As others are coming this morning, would you partner with God? Will you let him have the heartaches and the hurts? Would you just let him take the loneliness and take the remorse and take the sorrow that you're in. God can take your failures. God can remove and take the guilt that is there. God can take your shame. God can remove the evidence of your heart that has just been carried for a long time. God wants you to come to him today and he wants you to surrender. Will you surrender unto him?